Praise God, everyone. This is Minister McMillan. Let's give the Lord some praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Almighty God. Thank you, Lord, for waking us this morning in our right minds, right spirit. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for being with us throughout the night and caring for us and our families. Father, we give you the praise and the honor and glory. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Lord, we ask that you be with us today in this word, and we with you, Lord. We ask, Lord Jesus, that you guide us and continue to teach us. Help us to understand your word, your kingdom, and all there is concerning you, Father. Lord, we ask, Almighty God, that we be a beacon of light unto others that we may help them as well, Lord. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this word today. And we thank you, Lord, for this time with you. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Yeshua Mashiach. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> now, we left off in... Um, <clears throat> Excuse me, in Ch uh, Ruth chapter 2. Uh, but before we pick up in Ruth chapter 2, I want to uh, go over one of the holiest days of the year, which is Passover. And I know a lot of you out there are getting ready for Easter. And I'm going to say something that's going to stir some of you. It'll probably make some of you a little annoyed. Sorry. But I think you'll find that what I'm saying has a lot of truth and merit. So, in the commandments, as we've read not too long ago, the Lord commanded us to celebrate Passover. And for many, many years, up until here recently... The only ones celebrating Passover were the were the Jews. Uh, it wasn't until recently when it was found out <laughs> uh, that that shouldn't really be the case because Jews are all over the country, or I should say the Israelites or the Hebrews are all over the country, all over the United States, all over South America, all over Europe. So, a great injustice has been done because that information was kept. But nevertheless, it was allowed. And time has come that it's changed. Um, however, people haven't. Uh, there are more people out here celebrating Easter, which the Lord did not tell us to celebrate, than there are celebrating the day that he commanded us to celebrate, which was Passover. 
Now, some might say, well, to each his own. <clears throat> in man's eye, yes. In God's eye, no. I uh, want to urge everyone to really look into the scriptures concerning Passover and see if I'm not speaking the truth. The Lord did say to celebrate the Passover, to remember it. Now, what has happened is this. When the uh, Catholic Church made the changes uh, to um, <clears throat> ease some of the fighting that was going on between the Christians and the and the Jews or the Hebrews, Israelites. Um, they uh, combined the Passover with the holiday that they created, which is Easter. <laughs> and so instead of you celebrating Passover, people are celebrating Easter. But that's not what the Lord said. He said to remember, remember the month of Abib, the 14th day of the month. Okay? And we were commanded. He commanded us to remember that day and partake of the Passover. Okay? He didn't tell us to remember the day of his son's death. His son wasn't even uh, in nowhere in place at that time. God was in the picture at that time. Okay, God had not yet sent his son until further on when he realized that man could not do it alone. Okay, so are we in right standing? Hmm, that's a good question, isn't it? Well, so I've been pondering with this thing for a while. And I finally grasped it a couple of years ago and decided I would do Passover. Now, I'm not to say I don't do Easter because my family still does Easter like everybody else's. But it doesn't hold the same meaning to me. And it's not as, uh, it's really isn't at, it doesn't hold up to Passover. Um, Passover leads you right on into the crucifixion. Um, if you if you look into the scriptures, you'll see that he was actually, um, he was actually crucified as a Passover lamb <laughs> and again resurrected and began walking the earth that Saturday, uh, late Saturday night, early Sunday morning. Okay, he was already up and walking. Um, So when people say Easter Sunday, I <clears throat> I have to think about that because, you know, the Lord was, everything was already done by that time. He was up and he was uh, talking to the 
apostles and the women of God. And uh, he was telling them, don't touch me before I ascend to my father. So to me, uh, Easter is more like a symbol than Passover. Um, Passover is something that the Lord commanded us to follow. Uh, he didn't command us to follow Easter. So I just want to say that um, to give you some food for thought, uh, for many of you to think about what we're doing, if we're truly going to follow mm -hmm. the Lord's word, and not to take away from anything or... Uh, um, or for, you know, anyone to feel out of sorts. Um, but we need to know what is of God and what is of not. If we read the scriptures, God has his set holidays that he commanded us to follow. The other holidays is what he, what he calls man's holidays. And they don't really sit with him. Um, and some of them he is not pleased with at all. But we'll get into that another time. Um, so, with saying that, I said I, well, I would go over the Passover. Uh, for some of you who don't know or who are just starting out this year. One thing I have to say. God isn't for tradition. Uh, it, there is mention in the scriptures, I can't think of it where right at this moment, but he does mention about man's traditions, his vanity and nonsense, more or less. Um, and in the, sorry enough to say, just like anything else, uh, the Passover... Uh, Seder is a lot of tradition. And I just want to caution everyone, do the Seder as it suits you. Don't follow the traditional what, what's going on, okay? Uh, read the scriptures. The Lord said to eat the Passover with bitter herbs, Okay? He didn't mention any of the other foods that's on the Seder plate. That's man, okay? Uh, make sure you have your bitter herbs. And make sure you have your, uh, your Passover meat. Now, uh, some people eat lamb and some people don't because Jesus Christ took the place of the lamb, okay? So... Um, it's up to you what you're going to serve at your table. Um, I personally uh, do a Seder meal, and I combined it with a regular meal. Okay. Uh, this year, I'm doing mine a little bit different because um, we have uh, children this year, and... We will be catering it more on a child's level so that they will understand what Passover is about. 
so I have a book that I went by last year. It's actually a 30-minute Seder. And this is really if you have young children or people, you know, that just can't uh, do Seder for a long time. Or a lot of elderly people can't, uh, you know, they can't sit up for long or they can't... Um, they have different ailments and things. So this is kind of catered towards that. But again, you don't have to do a long Seder. The Lord said, remember, he didn't give a time frame. He didn't tell you how long it had to be. He said to remember it. That's all he said. To remember it and to carry it out. Okay, so... I am going to tell you today some of the uh, uh, prayers, and I'm going to give you the say the plate. But you do not have to use these things. It's up to you what you want to do. Okay. So very quickly, I'm going to go through this. Okay. Uh, first of all, I mean, this is just good common sense during any holiday. Uh, I, my parents used to do this when I was younger, uh, because this is spring. So spring cleaning was done. Okay. And it's the same way with, um, Passover. Uh, the house is clean. Um, shelves are clean. Um, pantries clean, floors, etc. is clean. Um, in this case, uh, the Lord tells you not to have any commits. Commits is bread, leaving bread. So all leaving bread in your house uh, should be gone by that time. If it's not, um, you can give it to a neighbor as a gift. That's someone who's not celebrating the holiday. Or uh, you can take it and put it in a box, seal it up. And put it outside, away from your house, outside your door. Uh, I have done this a couple of years <laughs> when um, I couldn't get rid of it. So I just put it in the bag, made sure it was sealed up good, and put it outside the door, away from the house. Okay? All right, next thing is um, your candles. Now, you do not have to use but one candle. Some people use more than one candle. There's a whole tradition. I'm saying tradition because it's not necessary, okay? So some people put more than one candle. Some people use one candle. But they use at least one candle for the lighting, uh, which is the start of the ceremony, okay? It's the start of the holiday. Uh, you're lighting up the way for the Sabbath, okay? Um, then, of course, there is the matzah, okay? Then there's... Uh, the mora and the uh, caress. This is the bitter herb. Okay. Um, then you have the 
corset, which is, now this you don't have to have. This is symbolic, again, some more symbolism. It was not mentioned in the scriptures, um, but they use this combination of um, apples and nuts and cinnamon and red wine. And it's supposed to symbolize the brick and the mortar of the slaves that <clears throat> slaves would use to build the uh, buildings. Now, this is all traditional symbolism. Then you have the Zora, the Zora which is the roasted bone, or often a lamb shank or a chicken bone that's laid on the Seder plate. Okay, again, more tradition. Then you have the... Britza, which is a hard boiled egg, which is a representation of the sacrifice uh, offered on the eve of Passover at the temple. Okay. Um, I usually use the egg. Uh, this year I'm going to use it and I'm going to make a salad. As I said, I'm doing this because I have children. And children are finicky, you know, you have to, um, you want them to learn about the Seder, but at the same time, you know, you have to look at their palates too, what they're going to eat and what they're not going to eat. Okay, the next one is uh, carpus, and carpus is um, a bit of herbs, it's parsley, um, it's... Uh, It's the agricultural festival celebrated by the ancestors. Mm -hmm. It represents the arrival of spring. Okay. Um, and usually that's partially. So again, that and the uh, the mora and karats I will be using as a salad this year. Uh, then the next one is salt water. Uh, it's the representation of the tears uh, that the that they ancestors our ancestors uh, cried when they were in bondage. Okay, okay. All these things are representations. Okay, you do not have to use them all. Um, and I know I'm going to hear a lot behind that. Um, but it's tradition. So the one thing that he talks about is the flatbread. He talks about the bitter herbs. And he talks about the meat. And he talks about the wine. And that's it. Okay, so the uh, next one, the last one here is the wine. And of course, again, this is tradition. Four cups of wine are consumed during the Seder. Uh, for children, you can use grape juice. Um, they served as a reminder of the four references to redemption that are mentioned in the book of Exodus. 
I will bring you out of Egypt. I will bring you from bondage. I will redeem you you with the outstretched arm and I will take you to my uh, I will take you for my people. Okay? Um I'm telling you this because this is if you want to do the entire Seder plate. But again, as I said, use your own wisdom. Uh, do it the way you're comfortable with it, okay? And read the scriptures on it. Um, now, then we get into the blessings, Okay. Uh, you have, uh, blessed are you, Lord, God, creator of the universe, who creates the fruit of the vine. Then you have, blessed are you, Adoni, our God, creator of the universe, who has chosen us for all nations and raised us above all tongues and made us holy with your mitzvah, which is your commandments, okay? Um... And you, Adoni, or Lord, our God, have lovingly given us Sabbath for rest and festival for rejoicing, holiday and season for gladness. This Sabbath day and this festival of unleavened bread, which is matzah, the season of our freedom, a holy gathering remembrance of Exodus from Egypt. For you have chosen and made us holy above all peoples and your holy Sabbath and festivals in joy and gladness you granted us as a heritage. And again, we go back to uh, blessed are you, Lord, who makes holy the Sabbath and Israel and the festival season. Blessed are you, Lord, our God, creator of the universe, who helped keep us alive, sustain us, and brought us into the season. Okay, then, according to them, the first cup of wine, um, is drunk. Then there's the washing of hands. Again, This can be done before. Doesn't have to be done then. This is all tradition, people. All tradition. You can have your kids wash their hands. You can do um, communion. Uh, you can do foot washing. I have done a communion and a foot washing uh, before we actually did the Seder. Um and the Seder was actually a dinner, okay? So again, I say um, it's all about remembering the day and what the Lord gave up, what the Lord did for us. Uh, in the early part of, uh, of uh, Exodus, uh, it's the remembrance of Passover at the time when the Lord brought us out of Egypt. Then the other is when Christ Jesus gave himself up for our sins, okay? 
So these are the two important days of Passover. And I would say they are the important days. Okay? Um, and that's what you want to remember. You don't have to do all this. Um, but I'm going over this so that you will uh, have it and understand it. Okay? Dipping of your vegetables, the capos. Everyone takes a vegetable and then the man usually parsley, potato, onion, or whatever is used for capus on the Seder plate and dips it into the salt water. The following blessing is recited before the vegetable is eaten. Uh, blessed are you, Lord, our God, creator of the universe, who creates the fruit of the earth. Um, this is written in English and it's also written in uh, Hebrew. However, um, I'm reading it in English. Um, I came across something the other day uh, where the Lord said, uh, read it and understand it in your language. You know, um, a, for quite a while, I was trying to do things in the Hebrew language. But then I came across this one scripture uh, that made it really clear. The Lord knows where we're at, exactly what we're doing, and what we understand. And for some of us, it's not easy uh, to try to memorize and say things in other languages that we really don't understand. And we really don't have a good pronunciation on the, the wording. That's like someone, uh, uh, someone in Israel or someone in uh, Arab nation trying to speak English, or someone who's Spanish trying to speak English. It's it's not easy. You're you're accustomed to what you speak. Okay. All right. Let's move on. Then it says breaking of the matzah, creation of Af. Uh, African yakats, yakets. Uh, the leader uncovers the matzah and breaks the middle matzah in two pieces. The smaller part is uh, uh, the smaller part back between the whole matzah and uh, wraps up the larger part in a cloth or napkin, which is the Afrikan. It's placed in a bag. And for later use as as the Afrikan, the leader placed the Afrikan portion on their shoulder and says, In haste did we go out of Egypt. Again, this is all traditional people. At this point, the children will hide the Afrikan for the leader or the head of the household to find later. An alternate version of this tradition is to have someone hide the offering for the children to find on after the meal. Okay, now, again, tradition. This year, I happen to be uh, taking this particular uh, as a game for the children. It's kind of like hunting for the eggs for Easter. See what I'm saying? The similarities here. So instead, the child takes the matzah, which you can put into a plastic bag, and you can hide it somewhere in the room, and the kids go looking for it. Okay? 
All right. Um, then the story of Passover is told. The broken, the broken matz is lifted for all to see as the leader recites. This matz is a symbol of affliction and poverty. The story of Passover tells us the hardships of suffering that our ancestors endured. It reminds us of those who are in need today. So we say, whosoever is hungry, come share our food and celebrate Passover. To those who are poor or oppressed, we pray for them and hope that the coming year will bring a better life for all. Okay. Um, then as you're reading uh, the story, uh, there is the four questions that the children can ask. Again, this is all tradition. You don't have to do this. Uh, you can, you know, you can set it up the way you want to set it up. Okay. Some people have children who are too small to even ask questions. Um, some parents decide to ask questions and have the kids answer the questions. Okay. Um, so it says, pour the second cup of wine and don't drink it yet and have the youngest present present ask the following. Why is this night different from all other nights? The leader now asks, in what ways do you find this night different? Uh, the youngest makes the following statement and then gives four examples of how this night is different. In four ways do I find this night different. On all other nights, we may eat commits and matzah, leaving bread and unleavened bread. But on this night, only matzah, which is the unleavened bread. On all other nights, we eat many vegetables, but on this night, only mora, bitter herbs. Okay. Um, on all other nights, we don't dip even once, but on this night, we dip twice. Okay, and on all other nights, we eat either sitting up or reclining, but on this night, we all recline. Okay, so those are the questions they have. Uh, the four questions are, in fact, not four questions at all. They are four statements that declare the main question of the Seder. Why is the night different from all other nights? This night is different from all other nights because on this night, we tell the story of Passover as inscribed in the book of Exodus. See? They tell you right here. Uh, this night is also different because we participate in rituals that have been observed at Pas Passover Seders for century by our Jewish ancestors. Okay. Little question mark there, but of course they're speaking of um, what has been passed down through the Jewish ancestors um 
We don't know what was passed down during the time of the Israelites because there's no one around now to say. And most of those people, again, as I said, and their ancestors have been scattered all over the world. They are no longer in uh, Jerusalem. Okay? We remind ourselves each year at this time that we were slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt, and God took us out with a mighty hand and outstretched arm. If God had liberated our ancestors from Egyptian slavery, then we and our children and our children's children might still be slaves in the land of Egypt. Um, Even if we know the story well and have told it many times, it is essential to be reminded of the details so we don't forget And that is the whole reason why the Lord said for us to remember it, so that we don't forget. By recognizing the oppression of our enslaved ancestors, we gain a greater appreciation of freedom and enjoy it today. Um, Um, then they go on to talk about the children, um, wise children, wicked children, simple children, uh, a child who is too young, uh, basically how you would approach their questions. You have the wise child who's the studious child who likes to study. Uh, they're telling you to give this child tools to discover the meaning of Passover on their own. The wicked child or the rebellious child probably wants little to do with Passover, and they exclude themselves for getting involved. A typical response from them would be, what's this got to do with me? Um, Explain the Passover's celebration of freedom, and we all enjoy, since this child usually lacks empathy, ask questions that... Uh, get them involved, like, how would you feel if you were a slave or or uh, that was freed by God, okay? Um, they're giving examples of how to engage your children. Uh, the simple child, the child who is easily overwhelmed, give this a simple explanation. Don't confuse them with details. Instead, tell them the basic facts of the story and explain the general meaning of Passover in terms they can understand. Well, one of the main ways that I uh, found uh, with children to explain the Passover is see if you can find a movie or a song, a poem, or something that will um they will remember that has a little catchy tune or it's a a catchy movie and usually you know you can do pretty good and if anything is left out of it you can add to it and explain okay the child is too young to ask uh, well uh they basically tell you uh same thing I just said, buy stories or songs with these children because they'll remember the song, okay, or the story. 
Okay, let's move on now. It says we toast our endurance as a people. The uh, the matzah are covered and the wine cup is lifted as the following paragraph is proclaimed joyously. Throughout the ages, we have endured. For not only has one risen against us to annihilate us, but in every generation, they raise against us to annihilate us. But the Lord, the Holy One, a blessing rescues us from their hands. Uh, you put down your wine cup and uncover the matzah. That paragraph is so true. Uh, let my people go. We weren't always slaves in Egypt. We became slaves. And uh, you can go into the story and see for yourself that we weren't always like that. Okay, so the story they began you begin now at this point to tell the story. Now, of course you go into the plagues, which is the highlight of the story. And then at the end a lot of people uh sing songs, then they pray. Um, after the prayer, the matzahs are covered. We raise a glass of wine and recite the following. We join together to glorify and bless God for bringing us out of slavery and bondage, for grading us granting us our freedom and for turning our sorrow into joy. We give thanks to God for helping us reach this night so that we may carry out the rituals of the Seder, eating the offerings and symbolic sacrifices while singing praises for our redemption and freedom. Blessed are you, Lord our God, creator of the universe who creates the fruit of the vine. Uh, drink the second cup of wine while reclining, leaning to the left side. When cup is drained, have the person sitting next to you refill it. Okay? At this time, you point out what the Seder plate means to everyone that's at the table. Um... The bread is blessed. The leaders at the uh, the leaders raise all the matzah on the seder plate and recites the following: "Blessed are you, Lord our God, Creator of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth." Uh, then, "Blessed are you, Lord our God, Creator of the universe." who makes us holy with your commandments and has instructed us in eating of the matzah. It says, give each participant a piece from each of the top two matzahs and recite the following. We now take this matzah, for not only is it commanded in the Torah by God, or in our Bibles by God. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, but this matzah also symbolizes the unleavened bread 
our ancestors ate while in the desert and in their great haste while fleeing Egypt because they did not have time to allow the dough to rise. They were forced to bake their bread before before leaving and eat it in the form of hard, flat crackers, which we now call matzah. The matzah should now be eaten while reclining and leaning to the left side. Uh, they're telling you leaning to the left side. Basically, it's be comfortable while you're eating it. You're not... You shouldn't be tensed and all worked up. You should be relaxed and enjoying your food is basically what they're saying. Okay. Um, Blessings over the bitter herbs. Each participant takes a small spoonful of mara or corset. The mara symbolizes the bitter life of slavery, while corset represents the mortar used by the slaves to build Pharaoh's cities. Recite the following blessings and then eat them together. Uh, Blessed are you, Lord our God, creator of the universe, who makes us holy with your with your mitzvot, and has commanded us concerning the eating of manure. Manure, sorry. Uh, then you create like what they call a corset. Um, in the writing in the Torah, they shall eat it, the Passover sacrifice or the penatural lamb. Uh, push, uh, pas, pascal lamb, sorry. With uh, matzah and bitter herbs. Okay? So you meet your bread and your bitter herbs. Rabbi Rabboni Ihal, well, this is someone they've mentioned in the temple. Um, so if you follow exactly what the Bible tells you, it's telling you to eat the meat and the matzah and the bitter herbs. Okay. Uh, they have corset, but... Uh, I don't know whether the corset is supposed to be in the place of the meat. But in this case, if you're not going to use the corset, which is the nuts, the apples, and the cinnamon, and the raisins, if you're not going to use that, then you're just eating the meat and the bitter herbs and the matzah, like the Lord said. Okay? The bottom matzah is now taken, and we make a sandwich of matzah, more, and the meat. Okay. Um, the second bitter herb is often used here as a mara. It is accepted to use both bitter herbs and to use as much Okay, well, let's move on. Now you're going to hold up your third cup of wine and recite the following. Blessed are you, Lord, our God, creator of the universe, who creates the fruit of the vine. Uh, I stopped because um, this is somebody, 
what I was reading earlier was uh, someone's interpretation of what you should be eating. And I'm not going to do that, okay? Because as many of us is following the Word of God. If you want to follow the Word of God, the Lord says, basically, eat matzah, bitter herbs, and the meat, okay? So... They're, they're saying you should eat matzah, the bitter herbs, and the corset, which is the fruit and the nuts and so forth. Um, I don't agree with that. You can if you want to, because if you're following the Seder tradition, but I'm following what the scripture says, okay? All right, moving on. So now, uh, after you say the blessing, which is, Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, creator of the universe, who creates the fruit of the vine, you to drink uh, when, you, uh, when your cup is drained, have the person sitting next to you refill the cup. Uh, the cup of Elijah shall be filled at this time. Okay? Elijah the prophet, the leader of the Seder, holds up the cup of Elijah and says, Someday the prophet Elijah will return to the earth to lead the way for age of peace. In the spirit of Passover, a celebration of freedom, we welcome Elijah into our home and to our Seder. Okay? Again, that's up to you. Someone opens the door, as the leader says, Enter Elijah the prophet, uh, may you uh, may you soon come and issue in issue in the great age of peace. Okay, now we go into the fourth cup of wine. Raise the glass of, of wine and recite the following: Blessed are you. Lord, our God, creator of the universe, who creates the fruit of the vine, drink the fourth cup of wine in a reclining condition. Then, uh, before the traditional Seder meal concludes, um, uh, Nezar, that's what conclusion is, it is traditional in many families to serve the hard-boiled egg dipped in water at this time as the a symbol of spring and bringing of new life. Okay? Um, it reminds us of the Jewish midwives who show bravery in refusing to follow Pharaoh's demand that every baby boy born in Israel, woman, shall be drowned in the river. This brave action ensured the survival of the Jewish nations. Why? Because the Jewish woman would not do it. You know, they had to uh, atone to God if they did such a thing. So, at the conclusion of the meal, the Afrikafu, Afakaman, which means dessert, which is the uh, which is the matzah that they're going to hide, is found by the leader or the children, uh, by giving out hints. Okay, and is now distributed among all participants and eaten. Okay. Um,
Usually at this time, they sing the Sabbath song, Shabbat Shalom, Shabbat Shalom, or some other song, uh, Go Down, uh, Go Down, Moses, Let My People Go, or um, many others. Elehu Hanavi, or Denu. Uh, Chad Gadaya, one little goat. Okay, so there's many others. And then after that, of course, a prayer is said and the Seder is closed. Okay? Um, that, that's a half an hour Seder. As I said, this year for myself uh, and for our family, since we have children, I will be doing a... Uh, kid-like dinner, um, and they will be watching uh, a movie, um, The Prince of Egypt. Uh, then there will be also a quick reading uh, or of the event itself uh, from the scriptures, and the children will be playing uh, two games that I have set aside one is called the building of the pyramid, and the other one is uh, the hiding of the offer. Okay, so that's pretty much how I'm doing the Passover this year with our family. Um, you can do the Passover whatever kind of way you choose. You don't have to follow the ritualistic um, seder that. You know, you see on TV and everybody is, you don't have to do that. You can uh, choose to do it uh, whatever way you decide. Uh, it can be a dinner. It can be a luncheon. It can last 20 minutes, 15 minutes, half an hour, an hour. As long as you remember the day of Passover and what it means then and what it means now, okay? All right, everyone. I just want to say that very quickly. Now, we're going to move on into uh, our reading today. Of course, we are really over our minutes, so we're going to be extending this um, reading today. So instead of, uh, we usually do anywhere from a half an hour to an hour, this more than likely will be an hour and a half because we're at 50 minutes now. Okay. So uh, I promised I would go over the Passover and I try to keep my word. So without further ado, let's get started with our reading for today. This is Ruth chapter 2, okay? Now, Naomi has a relative on, on her husband's side from the clan of Elimelech, a man of standing whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain uh, behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, Go ahead, my daughter. So she went out and began to glean in the fields behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she found herself 
working in the field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Amalek. Just then Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they called back. Boaz asked the foreman of his harvesters, whose young woman is that? The foreman replied, she is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She went into the fields and has worked steadily from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with my servant girls. Watch the men. Uh, watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the girls. I have told you, I have told, I'm sorry, I have told the men not to touch you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She exclaimed, Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? And Boaz replied, I have been told all about you. I have been told all about what you have done for, for your mother-in-law since the death of her husband. How you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done, and may you be rich, richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have given me comfort and have spoken kindly to your servant. Though I do not have the standing of one of your servant girls. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come over here, have some bread, and dip it in the wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men. Even if she gathers among the sheaves, don't, don't embarrass her. Rather, pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up. And don't rebuke her. So Ruth gleamed in the fields until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered, and it amounted to about a ifra. She gathered it back, she carried it back to town, and her mother in law, I'm sorry, she carried it back to town. 
and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. Her mother-in-law asked her, where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she had been working. The name of the man I work with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead, she added. That man is our close relative. He is one of our kinsmen redeemers. Then Ruth Ruth the Mobite said, He even said to me, Stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all my grain. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It will be good for you, my daughter, to go with his girls, because in someone else's field you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the servant girls of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvest were finished, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Okay, we're going to stop here for a second, and we will come back after a break. Okay, everyone, we are back. Um, We are now going to go into chapter 3 of Ruth. One day, Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, uh, should I not try to find a home for you where you will be well provided for? Is not Boaz with whose servant girl you have been, a kinsman of ours. Tonight he will be he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash and perfume yourself and put on your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking, and was in good spirits. He went over to lay down at the far end of the grind of the grain pile. Ruth approached quickly, uncovered his feet, and laid down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man, and he turned and discovered a woman laying at his feet. Who are you? he asked. I am your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a kinsman redeemer. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. The kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, 
whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. I guess some of you are like, what? Well, it was their law and their tradition for him to uh, take care of her and her mother, uh, her, uh, sorry, her mother-in-law, because he was next in line. Well, he wasn't next in line, let me rephrase that. He is uh, their kinsmanship. And so anyone in the kinsmanship line could marry her and take on the responsibility of caring for her and for the uh, and for uh, her mother-in-law, Naomi, uh, if they wanted to do so. And in this case, uh, when she laid down at his feet, that's like an invitation. Okay, now he can always say he doesn't want to, as you'll find out sooner sooner or later, but you'll see what happens in that case, okay? All right, let's continue. Uh, and all fellow townsmen know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am near of kin, There is a kinsman, redeemer, nearer than I. Stay here for the night and in the morning. If he wants to redeem good, let him redeem. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. So she laid at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognized and He said, don't let it be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. He also said, bring me the shawl you are wearing and hold hold it out. When she did so, he poured into it six measures of barley and put it on her. Then he went back to town. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, how did it go, my daughter? Then she told her everything Boaz had done for her and added, he gave me six measures of barley saying, don't go back to your mother-in-law's empty handed. Then Naomi said, wait my daughter until you find out what happens for the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. So Boaz took a liking to her, but he could not do anything for her until he checked with the kinsman who had first place. He wasn't in first place standing. He was more like second place. Okay. All right. Let's move on to chapter four. Meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town's gate and sat there. And when the kinsman redeemer he had mentioned came along, Boaz said, come over here, my friend, and sit down. So he went over and sat down. Boaz took 10 of the elders of the town and said, sit here. And they did so. Then he said to the kinsman redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling 
the piece of land that belongs to our brother, E. Elemiclet. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these uh, seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me so I will know. For no one has the right to do it except you, and I am next in line. I will redeem it, he said. Then Moaz said, On the day you buy the land from Naomi and from Ruth, the Moabites, you will quarrel the dead man's widow in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. At this the kinsman redeemer said, Then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. Now in the early times in Israel, for the redemption and transfer of property to become final, one party took off his sandal and gave it to the other. This was the method of legalizing transaction in Israel. So the kinsman redeemer said to Boaz, Buy it yourself, and he removed his sandal. Then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, Today you are witness that I have bought, brought for Naomi all the property of Amalek, Kilion, and, my, and my, Myelon. I have also required Ruth the Mobite, Mahalion's widow as my wife in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from the town records. Today you are witness today you are witnesses. Then the elders and all those at the gate said we are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who has come into your home, like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you have standing in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman. May your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. Not knowingly, they were giving him blessings for the future Messiah. <laughs> now, this is the line that the Messiah came out of, okay? The generations of David. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And then he went to her, and the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. The woman said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a kinsman redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew his life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. It has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child 
laid him in her lap and cared for him. The woman living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. This, then, is the family line of Perez. Perez was the father of Herazon. Herazon, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Amadad. Amadad, the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Solomon. Solomon, the father of Boaz. Boaz, the father of Obed. Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of David. David was the father of Solomon. Mm. Yes, indeedy. Okay. And that is the end of Ruth. Okay. We are now going into Samuel. The first chapter in Samuel. Okay. Uh, We're going to stop here. And we're going to pick up Samuel uh, tomorrow. Okay? All right, everyone. I hope that this was a blessed reading. Um, if anyone has any questions or would like to leave a, leave a comment, you can uh, at anchor.fm right slash linda-mcmillan9. Or you can reach out to me at... McMillions, M-C-M-I-L-L-I-O-N-S, 75 at gmail.com. Or you can send me a line to Facebook. Just look up Linda McMillan and leave me a message and I'll be sure to get it, okay? All right, everyone. This is Minister McMillan saying have a blessed evening and good night. Mm-hmm.